What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of the huddle is brought to you by the athletic club oakland my go-to sports bar in the east bay this will be a shock to no one i love watching sports and i love it even more while at a sports bar but to be honest there was a long period of time where i just couldn't find one i really liked i'd hit a spot that had tvs but the food sucked ass or a place that had good food but they wouldn't show the game i wanted and the inside felt dark and depressing It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and call to the town guards. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that after way too long, I mean, we're talking years too long, rejoining us in the huddle, a sports journalist with experience in Washington, Idaho, North Carolina, and New York, a reporter who's covered college basketball, college football, Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA, NBC Sports Bay Area specialist for your Golden State Warriors, and a woman who is just in constant search of someone else with the first name, Kareth. Miss Kareth Burke, what's going on, KB? Thank you. That might be the best introduction I've ever gotten. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And so you will slowly realize how closely I've stalked you in getting ready for this. And one of the things I noticed on almost all of your social media channels, you include the line, if you meet another Kareth, let me know. And here's why it caught my attention. So not a lot of people named Bram. You know, I, I've run into them very, very, very rarely. And I'm going to share something with you I probably shouldn't. When I do, I'm resentful. I don't like it when other people have the name. Like, I like being unique and, and it, only be me. In fact, just last week, somebody followed us on Twitter whose name was Bram. And I was like bitter about it. I, I can't even define for you why. So for you, if you've ever met another Kareth or if another Kareth comes into your life, what do you think? Well, are you healthier than I or do you think you'll take it hard? I will celebrate that day. Okay, now I've met 
Kareth the dog. Okay, now I would like to meet somebody of the same species, but there is a uh, a therapy dog who does things for firefighters and police officers, um, and that dog is named Kareth, named after her her trainer um, at this at the pet place. I would love to meet the trainer. Um, I've had people try to message me. They're like. I'm at this Lakers game and you're at this Lakers game and we're up here. We're in section 200. Can you come meet me? And I'm like, I cannot, I can't get up there in time. But I usually make a, a note on a notebook, like, hi, Kareth, I'm Kareth. And I'll send them a picture at least. So it's getting closer and closer day by day, I hope. And Bram for you, is Bram short for something? It is. Just- yeah. You know, great take. So it's short for Abraham. I'm okay. desperate to mature to Abraham. I'm just nowhere close. I'm okay. not mature enough for Bram. So you know, okay. it is it is short and good read. Um, and I think Maxime is closer to you. So Maxime shared with us a few weeks back that he ran a tandem race, which I didn't even I've never heard of what a tandem race is. It apparently involves running with somebody else. And the person he ran with, his partner, was also named Maxime, which, and and here's another show of how crazy I am. That also bothered me. I don't even know why. I just didn't like that he was running with someone with the same name. So it is what it is. I don't know. What if one of us is named David and there's five Davids in class and you're near David B, David S, David F. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I like a unique name now, hated it as a child, but I think I've grown into it. Um, I'll make one last admission. I didn't even know my name was Abraham until like literally the fourth grade. Um, and they, I was, I'm sitting in class. We had a substitute. They are reading, you know, roll, whatever it is. And they say Abraham. And I can, I can remember this. I remember making fun of the name and then slowly realizing that they were talking about me. Cause yeah, they threw out the last name and I was like, well, okay, well, Hillsman, like that is, that makes sense. But so, you know, it's, uh, I digress. I tell you what. We have a ton of Warriors ground to cover today, but I'd be crazy if I didn't start with a little about you. Um, so let's start here. While getting ready for this, I learned that you were born outside of Seattle and then moved around a lot. Supersonics fan? I mean, what? who was your yeah. team growing up? Yes, yes. I would say, so I spent high school in Washington State, so kind of adopted those teams, or at least kept an eye on the Mariners. They had their, that record-breaking, was 116-win season. Right. Um, I remember when the Sonics left. I do remember when they drafted mm. Kevin Gard, uh, Kevin Durant. Jeez, Kevin Durant. Because the whole argument was, do you take Greg Oden first? Mm-hmm. Do you take Durant? And I was like, take Durant. Oh. Left. Yes, <laughs> that he left. So, you know what? But my parents kind of dictated my fandoms, which have always been light, to be honest, um, uh. which actually I think helps me at, at my job. I'm not yep. a diehard about anywhere. I'm just kind of a nomad. Um, but my parents are from Massachusetts. They like the Patriots. I think my mom specifically really likes Tom Brady. If you catch my drift, really likes him. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, they like the Cowboys, America's team. When we lived in Georgia, the Braves were always on TV. So it just kind of depends on where I lived. What's your personality? So we've had a bunch of B-writers, people who cover the team. Um, and I'd say 95% of them tell me that they have to maintain neutral, that they are a professional, that you would never actually root for the team. And then every now and again, we'll get someone who says, well, you know, if, if nothing else, like um, Wes Goldberg admitted to us, like, I'm not a Warriors fan, but when the Warriors play well, my work gets a little bit more attention. So, you know, my professional success is kind of tied up with theirs. For yes. you, you've been watching this team. You've watched them win titles. Have you become a fan? I mean, how, how would you describe that? Yes, sure. That, that's a very simple way to put it. Yes, I've become a fan of the team. And I think the fandom comes from the relationships 
when you travel with people for for three years, and, and this is my sixth season, but the first three years, I was traveling with them. I would see them on the bus. I would see them in the elevator. So you just start to care about the people around you, right? That's, yep. that's pretty natural. Um, reporter ethics say it's totally fine to be friendly with the people that you interview, huh. but not friends huh. with. Yeah. So there's definitely a line there, but I care about the people around me. You you want to see them succeed, and it is a lot more fun selfishly at work when they're winning. So <laughs> yeah, there's kind of there's a everything is connected, and I am happy when the Warriors win. So I suppose simply put, that makes me a fan. Maxine, would you be able to stay neutral? I mean, I, I can admit now, if I was actually doing it, of course I would say I'm neutral. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not going to give up my job, but internally I'd be, I'm hundred percent, I'd be a fan. Um, for you, my guess is you're closer to me, Maxine, that you would, that you would kind of lose some of that neutrality, um, but would never admit it. What's the answer? Yeah, a hundred percent. I would lose that neutrality. And the thing is I've now learned in my life, the problem with doing that, you know, which is probably careth why you're like, yeah, it's a, it's a good call to only be friendly with people because then I get friends with them. And then I get sort of like the peek behind the like wizard's curtain or whatever. And it turns out like, oh, actually I don't love a hundred percent of you. And I kind of liked it when I did. <laughs> um, so I, you know, yeah, yeah. Don't let me, uh, don't let me become friends with anybody. Yeah. There you go. Well, but it would impact my questions. If I were to fangirl over Steph Curry, if I had uh, to, like, oh yeah, my God, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I, I couldn't ask him the neutral questions that the job requires. I would just be staring up at him with wise. <laughs> I can't do that. So, and you know what? These guys appreciate it when you just talk to them like a regular person because everybody else fangirls over them. Yep. So that's the, that's the way to do the job. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, I've been lucky enough to sneak into a few practices and shoot arounds. And I went to one where they were um, getting ready for a game against Portland. And I found myself on the floor with Damian Lillard. And I grew up in Oakland, the whole nine yards. And so I started essentially kissing his ass, but I kept it somewhat professional and said, look, different. You know, they hadn't played in Chase Center yet. We're sitting in Chase. The crowd is different, you know, and we start a conversation. And because he started, I lost my neutrality. You know, suddenly I'm like, you know, and I'm from Oakland. And you could tell it's like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? And so I, I've seen in real time, you got to be careful with the whole fanboy stuff. Uh, here's a quote. I pulled from an article. It was attributed to you, uh, and it was right before you started. Quote, I'm experiencing a lot of nervous excitement right now. I try to tell myself that it's just basketball, but I'd be an idiot to think that this role doesn't come with some extra importance and expectation. It's really a big honor, and I'm humbled by the path I took to get here. I read that only because to, to ask you this, dream job? I mean, when you got this, did it feel like, you know, this is what you'd been working towards and, and you achieved, you know, your, your ultimate goal? Yes. I mean, I have to put myself back. Thank you for reading that to me, because when I when I hear the words, I think, yes, I still feel exactly the same. I still have the same zest for this job and I feel appreciative every day. Um, I came to San Francisco because I followed the man who is now my husband. Mm -hmm. um, but when I first got here, I didn't have a job for eight or nine months. Hmm. And hmm. I kind of reached a point in my career where I moved from New York City, had a job that I loved, just covered the Rio Olympics. I was thinking, wow, I worked in the number one market. I covered the Olympics. I fulfilled a dream. Yep. And I moved here, tried to lay the groundwork. I had meetings with Pac-12 Network. I had a meeting at Comcast, you know, at, at the time, sure. Comcast, yeah. NBC. And they're like, we like you, but we just don't have anything right now. So as the months wore on, I'm thinking, I love sports. This is the only thing I'm, I've ever done. Huh. 
but I think sports are done with me. Yeah. It was sad. It was, it was depressing. I was yeah. getting ready to start a new chapter in my life before I wanted to, but you have to have a job. Um, so I worked at a grocery store for a little while. Then I got a job doing PR. I think I was doing that job for four or five months. And then I got the call from mm -hmm. NBC Sports Bay Area. And it was a good thing. It's like, this job is so good. I understand why Roz didn't want to leave the person mm -hmm. before me. Everybody knows Roz mm -hmm, until she got to make the jump to national. So she had to leave before the spot opened up yep. and then I got my chance. So there, there are dominoes that fall. Um, and I got so, so lucky, but yes, as far as everything building up to this, you know, I covered UConn women. I covered them for four seasons. All of those happened to be championship seasons. It was wild. So again, I thought in my career, I had the sweetest deal ever. It's no. never getting any better than this. Little did I know the Warriors would be a championship team. But I just was thinking, you know, when I took this job, yes, it's just basketball, but covering college and maybe 35 to 40 games in a season is a hell of a lot different than 82 games plus the postseason plus the Golden State Warriors in the middle of a dynasty with a sure. unanimous MVP. I mean, it was just bigger than I had ever anticipated. And I think the fact that I was naive to that actually helped me not get sure. scared, frankly. Yeah, overwhelmed, yeah. It did make me think, okay, I'm on a sideline. I'm giving a report. I know how to do this. Post-game interviews, no problem. I know how to do this. While everything else swirled around me, I was in the eye of the hurricane doing that job that first year, which happened to be a championship season. You did a great job. Um, let me put Thank it this you. way. You, know, I mean, the, the, you don't have to take my word for it. All right. So let me go back to what you said. You were lucky. You weren't lucky. You earned that. But again, don't take my word for it. Look at the objective evidence. So Roz had a relationship with this fan base, a, a big one. We knew her and, and she continues to. When she comes back, we all recognize it. But yep. no one's saying that name anymore, Kareth. There, there's not, you know, Roz isn't missed. And it's because you came in and filled oh. the spot. So, you know, it's not it's not luck. I mean, it's it's circumstance. You know, it's the um, it's the John Wooden quote, right? Luck is preparation meets opportunity. So you know, they, we we got lucky to have you. Um, and with that, until here, let me, let me ask you this. Another thing I found was that you were uh, a Washington State alum. And so this is more of an admission about me. But if I'm a Washington State alum and I'm covering uh, the Warriors, I'm mentioning at least once a day to Clay that I am a Cougar. And then like, I'd come up with some inadvertent thing. Like, I don't, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't make it obvious, but I don't know what it would be. We'd like see a soda machine and be like, oh, I haven't had a Coke since I was in Washington State and then hope I got something from it. Have you done that at all? Like, have you tried to use the connection or are you more professional? Yeah, I would say as a reporter, you look for ins, but basically if we just pass each other in the hallway, shouting go Cougs at each other is completely normal. <laughs> so yes, that happens. I actually learned we were in the same dorm, not at the same time, I'm a little bit older than him, but our first years at school, we were in the Scott Komen dorm, the Scott side of it. And it was, um, it was co-ed. So first floor, third floor women, second floor, fourth floor men. He was on the fourth floor. I was on the third. <laughs> that, then I would be bringing up that dorm nonstop. <laughs> that, like that kind of specific thing would be such gold. Uh, last non-Warriors thing, but it's the one I'm most excited for. And actually it is Warriors related. So the early portion of your career was spent on the East Coast, uh, Sportsnet, New York. Mm -hmm. And I say all the time, all of us say all the time, there's a difference between East Coast coverage and West Coast coverage. And the East Coast is hardcore and the West Coast tends to be a little bit more hands off. 
I don't know that. I haven't spent one day as an East Coast fan. I don't read their media. I don't know anything about it. You have spent now time in both. Is there a difference? You know, the, how, how do you view the difference between East Coast and West Coast coverage? The East Coast thinks there's a difference. It, they <laughs> think that they're they're tougher and meaner and, you know, getting the hard hitting stories. But I've discovered in my career, no matter where you go, every newsroom is the same. Every press conference is the same. <laughs> it really depends on the personalities. Now, I do think there is an East Coast bias, so to speak, because of the concentration of reporters in bigger cities. Huh over there. So New York is the mega market. Then you also have Boston. Then you also have Philadelphia. Then you can go down to Atlanta. You have DC. So it's just the concentration of people there that makes it feel different. Oh, that that response makes this follow up way less salacious. And so I'm not as excited about it, but I'll ask it nonetheless. So, I mean, the big story for us now, right, is Wiggins. Um, And in fact, when we just heard Myers come out and give specific credit to the media, thank you for handling this so well and so classy. In fact, Maxime, if we've got it, let's go ahead and run that clip so we can bring ourselves up to speed. Thank you for being here. Um, And really more than being here, thank you for respecting Andrew's life and privacy over the last six weeks. I know that um, your job, everybody in the room and anybody in media is to break news, give answers. And uh, I really appreciate how you all covered this situation. Um, It means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to Andrew and he can say that in his own way if he wants. Um, but that's a pretty rare thing now in our business to respect the personal life of someone that's in a public job. And I can, I can imagine the questions you got and pressure you received to answer those questions. Let me say just from the jump, how effortlessly classy, professional, and effective Bob Myers is. The the idea that he would come in there made it seem like it was off the cuff. There's no way that was off the cuff. He he is a very purposeful man, good at his job, and came in there and established a tone before he even turned it over to to Wiggins. But picking up the train where we left it, if this was East Coast, let's say Wiggins was a Nick. And this goes down and, you know, the Knicks are in playoff contention. He disappears for long periods of time. We don't get any information. Do you think would it handled the same way? Would that media have been as classy? Guys, I, I really don't know. I, I hope there's huh. been a shift to more ethical media. I keep coming back to ethics on this because... You know, I know we got a lot of a lot of crap in our in our mentions, like, why aren't you investigating this? And I'll tell you why, because there is a hard line for me and and for my colleagues, I don't want to speak for them, but I know that room that when it comes to a personal issue, Mm. those things are private. Now, there are things that we can push on completely reasonable to ask at least once a week or we were asking every day until we knew how long this absence would be. What's the timeline here? What's going Mm. on there? But there is a line for me. When does curiosity because I was curious and it's my job to be curious. When does that run into the barrier of feeling entitled to know what somebody is going through in their personal life? I will say, I do believe this was a personal issue. I don't think the warriors are being sketchy about anything. Um, I just think it's so unfortunate that there's a lot of doubt in, in what this was. 
Bob Myers was up there. You made a really good point, Bram, that he got to set the tone. That was literally like a metaphorical handholding for a guy who looked like he needed it. Andrew is shy. He doesn't like being up there in general when we're talking about happy things. And now he's got to go up there after this long personal thing. Like you can see on his face that it was tough for him. He's going through a tough time or maybe that tough time is continuing. We just don't know. So for me, it was easy not to investigate this because it wasn't something like the absence impacted basketball, but it wasn't like a speaking truth to power thing. So to me, like in my heart and in my guts, I felt totally fine not trying to pry. Totally it was, fine. It's the right move. Um, I, every piece of information about this team we consume. We, I, I, you cannot give me some, some information that I don't want to know about. But in this circumstance, of course, that was the right move. You know, we, we were joking around and being a little hyperbolic when we talked about this earlier this week. But what I said was, and forgive my language, if somebody wanted to know my dad's favorite color and I didn't want to tell them, they can fuck themselves. You know, and if they want to know his, his medical history and what we're going through, that's of course not. It's, um, it's a ridiculous position. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Warriors, Kareth. All right, so our first segment, one we do every every single episode, is called The Glass Half Full, and the idea is pretty easy. Look back at recent Warriors hoop. Give us something you like or don't like, and I'll go first to give you guys some time to think. Here's what I like. Moses Moody having the best game of his young career exactly when we needed it, just exactly when we needed it. Um, We entered this year throughout the off season, when we're talking about Kaminga and talking about Moody, we said Kaminga had a much higher ceiling, but Moody had a much higher floor. And because of that, we expected him to really contribute. And then he disappeared for long periods of time for reasons that we don't have to explore because he's back, you know, and maybe right when we needed him. Um, And I'll tell you what stuck out to me, and I'm stealing this from your Twitter account was a clip that we got from Kerr on Moody. Uh, let's go ahead and play that too, Maxine. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about this young guy, the way he has prepared and worked, and um, he's so mature. And over the last couple of weeks, you could really see uh, the improvement and the confidence and the strength around the basket. And, um, you know, I think I told you guys this, but when I talked to him, Bob and I talked to him a couple of months ago and asked him how he, how he was doing with not playing much. And he, he said, look, I, I chose to develop in the NBA, not at Arkansas. If I was at Arkansas, I'd be playing. But I chose to develop in the NBA, and this is part of it. It's like the most mature answer I've ever heard anybody give. Um, but that's who he is. He's just a really mature young guy, and he gets it. Maxime, could you do that? So like, if that's me, if, if I've been promised a role or I've, I think I've earned a role and then I disappear out of the rotation, you know, um, and they came to me and talked to me about it, I would be so pissy. And if they put me in there, I would be so worthless because I would already be angry at everybody. And like in my own head, if you were there, if you're in Moody's scenario, would you stay ready? You know, would you think to yourself, this is part of my development? So in a vacuum, I think I'd be exactly like you, but I'll, I'll, I'll flip it. And I'll say that I think that both I and you would be able to pull it off. And that's the, due to the strength of this organization. That's Steve Kerr being able to sit you down and be like, look, that's Steph. Do you see that guy? You know, that's four-time champion Steph Curry right there. You know, if he, he sacrificed, he came off the bench once. It's not a problem. You can do it too. And I bet that there's enough structure in place in that organization because that's what it takes 
to win championships over and over again, that they would be able to convince even you, Bram, even you and your neuroticism. You misunderstand. You don't know how fucking crazy I am. If they had a players only meeting every day just to explain to me, look, Bram, you're still really valuable. We can't <laughs> wait. I would go, I'd, I'd nod I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then I'd go home and be like, I hate this organization and they're not giving me a chance and I can't stand this. How about you, Kareth? Uh, where would you fit in on that? Would you, would you keep confidence and know this was all part of the plan? I would really hope I would have the maturity to understand that this is my job and my job doesn't always go the way that I want. And to be in Moses's shoes, to know that he was playing good minutes in the postseason last year and he was a championship, uh, a champ his rookie year, you always think, well, in year two, I'm going to be even better. I earned this. I developed. So if there were any expectations about minutes, playing time, development, I can understand why Moses would be, I don't want to step inside his head, why he would be upset. But there was something important that Steve Kerr said there. He and Bob Myers talked to Moses. They are in communication, which means it goes a long way for a player when you always know where you stand. That's something that can help curtail the grumbles or... I don't know, like if you if you get pissed, like it can kind of short circuit the anger if you always know where you stand. No, it makes sense. I mean, reason number 8,000, I'll never be an NBA guy. I mean, if I'm Moses and I see like PBJ out there playing well, when we come back into the locker room, I just like by happenstance, I'm polishing my championship ring. Oh, weird, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you don't have one of these? Oh, that's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> we can get you one. I'll give you something I don't like and then turn it to you guys. Here's something I don't like. 79 point halves in a must win game. Like, so look, they won. Okay, we're fine. Off they go. But I'm just waiting for them to have a four quarter game where they seemingly understand chips are on the table. This is what needs to happen. This is a must win. Let's give you four quarters of effort. And 79 points against the 10th seed doesn't scream four quarters of effort, but you know, they won. So I'll take it. Um, To you two, something you liked or didn't. What do you got? From that game, something I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, any game. We haven't talked to you all year. So you you know, don't don't limit yourself if you don't want to. But it is something you liked or didn't from the Warriors season or the OKC game. You know what? One of the things that I think will be the story of the season is winning now versus developing. And it happened to be the same storyline last season, too. It resulted in a championship. But even alongside with the Moses Moody conversation, why isn't he playing? And then the flip side is, well, why is Anthony Lamb playing? That kind of thing. I think the coaches are in a tough spot where it comes to win now or develop because of course they would love to see Moses Moody on the floor more. They're in control of that decision, by the way. So if you mm-hmm. want to critique Steve Kerr, go for it. When you see yeah. a game like that from Moses Moody and 26 minutes, the most he's played since you know Christmas, you kind of wonder, well, why haven't we seen this guy a little bit more? But storyline of the season is that the Warriors, frankly, haven't been good enough. They've just looked like an average team hovering either a few games above 500 or a few games below 500. And I think Steve Kerr and this whole organization is feeling very deeply. While we have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, we owe it to them to go as far as we can. So if that means not putting the young guys on the floor because they might make mistakes, because they deserve to make mistakes within their development. This is year four for Jordan Poole and he's still making some mistakes. He deserves that opportunity. But when the margins to win are smaller, when you are a 500 team, when you're two games away from the postseason and you're trying to desperately stay above that play in line because you only have 42 wins this season, I do understand some of the decisions not to play the young guys as much. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, although a brand new starting lineup was kind of a surprise, but I, you know, I would have to jump down. Clay Thompson's, <laughs> Clay Thompson's back injury was a surprise. And my True. goodness, yeah. I hope that's not something, right? It's, it's, it's always been something this season. The injuries have been outrageous. I, yeah. This is, I wish I could wave the magic wand, guys. And for every single team, I won't even put it on the Warriors. No injuries, please. Just let's see everybody at their best. <laughs> oh, I mean, frustrating. Yet another difference of how professional you are. I would only wave it for the Warriors, but you know, that is what it is. Maxime, something you like or don't? Well, you, you know, I uh, the thing that frustrated me the most was sort of the tale of two halves, right? Obviously, I did not see 79 points dropped on us, but I also, you know, I think we very much benefited from uh, Gary Payton the second getting put into the uh, the beginning of the third quarter instead of Lamb. And I think it is sort of interesting, you know, Kareth, maybe you help me recontextualize it. Steve Kerr was probably caught off guard by Clay Thompson's injury almost as much as the rest of us. Yeah. And you've got to make a decision in the moment of like, hey, here's how we're going to do it. And I, if I'm him, uh, you know, he's playing 4D chess all the time. And I'm sure it's not just about what we're going to do in the first half of this game, but how it carries over to the rest of the season, into the postseason. You know, what do we want to expose about our lineups right now? And what do we want to like keep close to the chest? Um, you know, are we going to pull out new stops when it comes to the playoffs? And obviously Kerr has won the benefit of the doubt, I think for all fans, but definitely from me that he knows what he's doing. Uh, but it was very frustrating to see then, you know, what happens when you put Gary Payton into the lineup. And it's like, did I have to go through two quarters of pure misery? You know, I had, there were some, my wife had some friends over and we were hanging out and they were like, trying to, you know, enjoy an evening with each other and with me. And I was just like stalking around the room, you know, just having an absolutely awful time, absolutely awful time. So, you know, something that I didn't like was that first half and Anthony Lamb specifically, because something that I loved was the injection of joy, um, you know, of the Warriors basketball that I'm used to that we got from Gary Payton in the second, in the second half. My, uh, my younger sister came by last night that makes her seem younger than she is. I think she's mid twenties. I'm bad with that. Uh, but in the second half, we had a great time and I'm glad you came. The first half must've been like hanging out with somebody with Tourette's like, I, I wasn't really talking at all, you know, and then would occasionally just fire off an F bomb or like walk around super angry and then sit back down. So I, I don't August, if you're listening, my apologies, you know, I'll, I'll, I tell you, I'll be better next time, but we both know I won't be, uh, one more thing I like having Andrew Wiggins smile back in my life. So, you know, we didn't get to see him on the court yet and it's coming, but we got a quick glimpse of him on the bench and he fired off that trademark smile and it just made me happy. Um, there's something that is infectious about his smile more so than almost anyone else on the team. So I was on board for that. Um, all right. Golden questions. So Kareth, this is essentially our mailbag. Uh, always deals with the Warriors, sometimes gets personal. This one does both. Uh, and here's our first quote. All year, the huddle has been saying Steph doesn't get the calls that other stars get. And last night, Loon and Draymond actually agreed with you boys and called the refs out for giving SGA a whistle they weren't giving to Curry. Please ask Kareth if she thinks the officiating is as biased as you do. So we got the clip. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to see this, um, but SGA got a call. Both Loon and Draymond thought that uh, Curry didn't get a very similar call on the other side of the floor. And they were pretty vociferous about it. Uh, Maxine, let's go ahead and play it. Hey, Two MVPs and four championships. 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 Two MVPs and four championships.
For those who aren't watching the video, <laughs> what you may not have seen is, is Draymond saying over and over again, four rings, MVP, and Loon calling out. Look, you didn't give that call on the other side. So, Kareth, to you, and we really need your objectivity. All right, so an admission. I have been losing my mind about the officiating. I can't, I can't stand it. And I keep trying to say, you're just being a homer. And I'm sure every fan base feels this way and, and all of that. But last night was no exception. Um, it feels like... Feels like Steph is not getting the respect that he deserves and that he has earned through two MVPs, a final MVP, four titles, the whole resume we already know. So you've watched this closer than we have. What do you think? You know, how would you characterize the officiating the Warriors are are receiving? I'm, I'm grinning and I can't stop because I know I'm supposed to be very diplomatic here and talk about the tough job that the referees have, which they do. But I don't think he gets the same whistles that other superstars do. Wow. I, I just, I, I'm, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just like he needs better whistles. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Is that all I can say because I, I don't. No, I don't we'll leave it like, there. Okay, I, I, I need to, I need to remain professional here. But just looking at some of this stuff up close, back when I was doing sideline, seeing the scratches on his shoulders, the the marks, you know, you could see the physical contact that was happening. It's like, where's the whistle on that? I mean, whistles are supposed to protect people. Yep. It's so people don't get pummeled or hurt. You don't want Steph Curry hurt. Um, I don't think he gets a superstar whistle. I don't think he gets an average guy whistle. It's it's a little concerning. I, I would imagine that on a set for a Denzel Washington movie, the stunt guys aren't allowed to wrestle with Denzel Washington because they want to make sure that the star stays fucking healthy. <laughs> the idea that this league is not protecting Steph Curry is insanity. To me, you know, I, I just don't get and, and we've we've jumped down this rabbit hole a million times, so I won't bore the listeners again. But the the shortest version of it for me, I watched this team be terrible for three decades and we'd come in. I'd, I'd go and watch Kobe come in and get every call. And the lesson that we learned a thousand times was if you're a superstar, you get calls. Then we got a superstar. You know, we, we have one. We have the superstar, if you ask me, and he's not getting calls. And so that disconnect does not make sense. Um, all right, here's our next, and it's one I'm excited for. Quote, we're less than a week away from the playoffs and hopefully another long run. If you could sit down with these three players and give them one piece of advice for the postseason, what would you tell them? And they give us three players. So the three players they gave us is Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Steph Curry. All right. Um, so let's start with Jordan Poole. If, if pool suddenly popped it in the zoom meeting, you know, we got three minutes with him and we could give him any piece of advice. What would that advice be? Would you like me to go first? Sure. Okay. Jordan pool. It would actually, the piece of advice would start with a pep talk. You're a good player. Know who you are. You will like become this. one of the best shooters in this league. Feel really proud of, you know, having your best scoring average this season. Feel really proud about how you're facilitating for teammates just slow it down just a little bit. Um, there's some times where you, 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 you're, I can see what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to go to the basket. You're trying to set up a teammate, but you dribble into some turnovers. Sometimes just be at peace with your skills, slow it down just a little bit and you can be unstoppable. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't. So here's why I was going to phrase it. Cause I was going to say the same thing, essentially one first piece of advice, stop falling down if that's possible. I mean, you know, just try to stay on your feet, but jokes aside, have confidence that this offense will find you. You know, your one-on-one -on -one skill set is unparalleled. We can see that. 
-hmm. you can get a shot whenever you want. So if we need something in the last five to 10 seconds of a shot clock, you'll get it. And, and we'll get to see that school, you know, the skill set on full display, but entering the playoffs, let the offense find you. Cause they will, you know, it's, it's found that offense has left uh, Steph Curry at the top of the offensive mountain. It'll do the same thing for you. Just give it an opportunity. Slow down. So Maxine, nice. what do you got? I, lo- I love all of this. And I think it makes a ton of sense. I would just remind him, Hey, you know, you, you're surrounded by people that know the difference between being a 16 game player and an 82 game player. And I trust you because I've seen it before. Don't forget. It's about to be a 16 game playing type of atmosphere, right? Like I love the regular, even though I hate that he seems to be on skates and has fallen over all the time. I love that he's trying because every once in a while, like that move last night after the Draymond steal, you know, he has this incredible spin to the basket. That's just like, I was screaming out loud. I love that he's working towards that because that sort of flashiness ends up being something that gets him to the rim that, you know, that gets him layups or gets him to the line. It's a fantastic thing. Keep trying that, but now it's time to get focused and trust and listen to Kareth and Bram. You know, I have not much more to add, but I love like, you know, I, I trust you because I've seen you do it before. You have my trust based on how you performed last year. Like, let's just do it again. Keep the mic, Maxime. Kaminga. So, Poole's got to go. He left, but thankfully, JK was in the waiting room. He is now in here. Um, would love to hear your advice. What do you got? Uh, first of all, thanks for joining the huddle. Um, big fan. Yeah, we appreciate you. Very, very excited to have you here. Uh, secondarily, you know, here's a little bit of an assumption, but, you know, Steve Kerr and I have talked a little bit, and, and the rotations might get a little bit tighter. You might not be seeing as many minutes as you have so far. Don't be discouraged, you know? Be ready game to game. If your time doesn't come, it may come in the next game. It may come in the next series. We've seen so much matchup dependent moves by Kerr um, and know that you're valued, know that you have a bright future, not just in this league, but specifically on this team and that the Warriors are going to continue to build around you for quite a long time. And it's okay if your star is not going to shine as bright as it possibly will in this specific playoff run. This is like the most supportive environment on earth. We should tape this and and send it out. Um, I'll go quick version and we'll ramp back up to you, Kareth. Uh, what I would tell Kaminga is you are in an amazing position to make history. Uh, the Warriors are kind of split. There's a group of people they know can do it. And then a group of people we hope can do it. And Kaminga's right on the edge of that. And if he can slip into that first category, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, and I, we don't need 25. If he can make a difference in this upcoming playoff run, he could be the reason Steph Curry gets vaulted into greatness. He could be the reason this dynasty adds another championship. And so we're, again, we're not talking 20 points a game. We're not talking, you know, being the, the point of defense. We're talking about just making an impact while you're in there. And that will be remembered forever. Uh, Kareth, what do you think? Wow. Wow. Guys, it feels great to piggyback on this. And Maxime, I like what you said about, you know, if we know who you are, we know that you are an extremely athletic member of this team. What we need you to do in the postseason is make sure you are emotionally there every single night. When you enter a game, we need you on immediately. And JK, we need you to do some of the things that aren't that sexy. We love it when you dunk, love it when you attack, but you can make your biggest impact by rebounding and playing defense. We know you'll fall into the points, but this is what we need you to do. And actually, when you look at some of his highlight reel stuff, it is playing defense on some of the best players in the league. So be there, mentally present. We need you. I love this. Uh, Lead Steph. I'll lead this one off. All right. So advice. Of course not. 
Of course not. If Steph comes in here, he doesn't need advice from us. He doesn't need advice from anybody. Really? What advice could I? Nothing. All right. But I can offer him. Here's what I'll offer him. A reminder. The reminder is as, as much success as you have already had, and it is unbelievable. And you've added more to my life than I could possibly ask. If you win a fifth title, your reputation goes up a whole nother level. All right. You, you pass, uh, or actually let me make sure I get these names right here. You would, yeah, you'd pass LeBron, tie magic and be one away from Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We are now talking the cream of the crop with the historic figures of the NBA. So this next title run, by the way, this will be as healthy as you will ever be going forward. This will be as good as you will ever feel going forward is your shot at grabbing another level of history. You know, and so it is right there in a Western conference and an NBA that couldn't be more open. So if we can tie together a couple of months of real basketball, you're looking at a lifetime of historic accolades. So, you know, reminder, not advice, but it's right there. It's right there. All right. I'll go with that, too. It's almost like my reminder will be, I don't think it's the opposite of what you're saying, but Steph, your legacy is cemented. Everybody knows exactly who you are, one of the greatest players of all time. So play free. I think we've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of times this season where he's had to be Atlas with the game on his shoulder, the whole team on his shoulders. That's really hard when you're one of five. And Steph does believe in team. I, Steph, you're just one man. And, and it's okay if it, I would say it's actually okay if it doesn't happen this season. We know how bad you want it, but you're cemented. You're fine. Play free. I like it. Wow. I, again, I can't believe you're here, Steph. This is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> no way I could give you any advice. I think, Kareth, what you just said is, is spot on. And it reminded me um, that in spite of Bram, what you said, that, you know, you're definitely not getting any younger. He also came into this season as strong and as um, uh, physically fit as maybe we've ever seen him. You know, his ability to think about the game is still at a high level. And so is his body, which is unbelievable. Age incredibly gracefully. And it's very possible, right, that that he can continue to rely on his body to do all of the things running off of the ball. Right. Being just an absolute menace that still people say he's one of the hardest people to guard in the whole league because he's just exhausting. And so it's just, you know, it's it's that idea of trusting your body and your mind. And I think it's a reminder for me, too. Right. That it's like, no, Steph can do things that nobody else can do. And sometimes I forget about that because he looks relative to these other people on the court like a common man. He ain't no common man. When he's screaming, right? Go back to that last game um, against Chris Paul when he screamed, this isn't 2014 anymore. You know, Steph agrees with you. He feels stronger now than he has, what, you know, nine years ago. So, I mean, that that's a, um, it backs exactly what you're saying. Kareth, I've kept you way longer than I promised. I just realized that. Um, so I'm going to skip through these next two questions and go right to our judgment feed. So here's what this is, Kareth. Okay. We have just random scenarios that get put off to us, but generally speaking, social scenarios. That's what this one is. And then we ask, how would you handle it? But before you actually give a response, we use it to judge each other. What do we think the other people would do? I'll give you an example. This person puts out this scenario. You go on a, a work lunch. You are expecting to be completely on your own. You enter a restaurant and then you see someone you work with in that restaurant, right? They, you weren't supposed to go out with, but there you are. And internally, 
you don't really want to sit. You just want some time alone. You know, it's lunchtime. You want an hour and you guys have made eye contact and you know one another, you know, what do you do in that circumstance? So Maxime, you can guess for me, you know, what do you think? Did you know me pretty well? Um, I go in with the, uh, you know, some restaurant somewhere here in downtown San Francisco. I see someone I work with. What happens next? So this is, you know, I think a lot of people would assume that you would try your best to get out of that situation, but I, I don't think that's possible because I think at the end of the day, you recognize just how much you sort of need this interaction, um, you know, or, or need to treat this person with a certain amount of respect. And so you would find every, you would think through every single scenario to get out of it, but then ultimately have to sit down with that person. Uh, Aerith, you're welcome to guess. What do you think? How do I handle it? How do you handle it? Uh-huh. Um, a head nod acknowledgement. I do see you as a polite person, yep. but you keep on moving. <laughs> All right. So here's the truth. Um, I'm an introvert. Weird thing to say since, you know, here I am projecting to the thousands of people listening, but if I can avoid human interaction, I generally speaking will. So the key thing in that, in that scenario we just said is the eye contact. Let's say I go in there and this, this man or woman's back to me and I recognize that I know them. I'm doing, I might just leave. I do everything I can to not make eye contact and try to keep it separate. But the second that like, all right, we've seen each other. I don't want to, but I'll go over there and I'll spend the next hour tap dancing. Be like, oh, it's so great to see you. And I, I was actually going to invite you to lunch and, but it didn't work out. And, and here we are. So that's for me. Um, Maxime, what's my guess for you? I think you just sit with them. I think you'd actually be happy. Um, I, I don't think you have my introvert. Um, I think that you would be pleasantly surprised to have somebody to sit down with lunch with. And I think you'd go over there and, and have an interesting hour. Hmm. What's your read on Maxime, Kareth? I don't know you well enough. I don't know. Yeah. I, I see, t like, based on the conversation, I can see two thoughtful, caring people. But do you really want to be locked in with an hour of somebody you just didn't <laughs> antis anticipate sitting with? I don't know. <laughs> Maxime, do you think you would kind of feel guilted into, into sitting? Take one for the team there. You know what? I I do. And it's it's pretty rough because there are specific days where, especially like lunch specifically, it's the middle of the day. I've been working and I'm going back to working. The fact that I would need to come out of that and then now engage with somebody. So I am an extrovert. I identify as an extrovert, which means that I get energy from other people. But that's when I need energy. You yeah. Know? Yeah, when I want it. yeah. So at this point, I don't think I would. And it sort of depends on the coworker. But I've had some coworkers in my life that, you know, I'm blessed to be very good friends with now. And I think those types of people, I would say like, hey, I'm sorry. It's nice to see you. You know, like hopefully you need this time as much as I do, because I'm just going to go sit over here by myself. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to you, Kareth. Here's my guess for you. Um, I think that you are phenomenal at human interaction, and I think you'd read the person. So I think you'd go in, I think you'd touch base with them, and I think you'd have enough back and forth where they felt like, oh, like, oh, that guy touched base, you know, like, that's great. And then once, once that was satiated, you know, once you crossed over the line of like, all right, this wasn't ignored and we're okay, then off you go. And you're going to go spend your time, get your energy back up. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of splitting the difference. You know, you're not just going to leave them. You recognize there's an obligation there, but you, you make them feel like, huh, I, I almost had lunch with her, you know, but you actually were still able to save your own time. Yes. Yes. I think you're exactly right. Okay. So I would make sure eye contact, smile, friendly, yep. quick interaction. I would never sit down but they would never go back to the office and say, that Kareth was a real dick to me today. <laughs> I would protect my peace, my time. I would kind of move along. If I needed to tell a white lie, like, hey, it's nice to see you, but I've got to make a phone call, see you in a little bit, yeah. you know, see ya. 
I love that. I would that. never sit down. I would never I sit down. I love that. I'll, I'll take it even a step further unnecessarily. Um, I The people I work with, I've worked with for decades. I mean, they're family. I, I know them. I've known them, you know, couldn't be closer, and, at least in that context. Also, I never stop walking when I'm in the office, ever. Be like, I'd like if there's a conversation, I'm just like, oh, that's great. And then just keep on going. Like, there's never a time when we're in any uh, any prolonged interactions. Kareth, thank you. I was looking forward to today. Oh, it didn't you. disappoint. You were awesome. And I'm positive. I'm not the only one who feels that way. If people out there need way more Kareth Burke in their life, where do they go? Oh, gosh. Uh, Kareth Burke on Twitter, Kareth Burke on Instagram. Please find me on the Dubstock podcast, Dubstock Live. Um, you guys know where. Covering the Warriors 24-7. <laughs> and for the Kareths out there listening, I mean, can you just reach out to her? I mean, she's looking for one. I mean, for the Brams listening, you can fuck yourself. I don't want to know anything about you. But for the Kareths, get in here and help for us. You want to get us a uh, question, um, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot an email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We also are on social media. Uh, we've got a Twitter page. That's at Warriors Huddle. We are on YouTube, which isn't social media, but we're doing big work there. Hop up and look up Warriors Huddle. And we have an Instagram account also at Warriors Huddle. Um, with that in mind, I think that's all I have to get out there. Go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.